afraid I've got some bad news. I knew it. I love when he does that. But first, we had the town hall. So in the middle of this alleged wrestling program, Saturday Night Live breaks out. I don't know how much time this took because I... MJF and Chris Jericho in a town hall where they're going to be asked questions of obviously if a rip off or a, a parody or whatever of the town hall presidential debate. But in this case, MJF is making the case. If I got this correctly, MJF is making the case of how he could be a benefit to the inner circle. If he was a member, right? How can he benefit the heel group? The first question that was asked and i can't even believe i'm dignifying this horseshit enough to go along with this scenario this far but the first question that was asked was from dino douche this premise is ridiculous enough to begin with and then you have baby faces asking a heel questions about how he can benefit the heel group and then this complete dipshit under this dinosaur mask it was funny maybe the first time 65 million years now and our first question is from a man from 65 million bc as a member of the dinosaur lobby you know what you're a big piece of shit here's what you are dino you're a big piece of fucking awkward shit you move around the ring like a cow on fucking ice you try to flip around like a gymnast, which is not the way you should be working, but actually you shouldn't be working because you're not very fucking good at it. Now that we've got that out of the way, as soon as this fucking dipshit asked that question, I've already written MJF off. He's The pods have taken him. He was the only bright spot they had. The, the pods have taken him. They've taken over his body. He's now one of these pod people that wants to do musical comedy and Saturday Night Live sketches. So I've given up on that. He, the, the dino, dino asked the question, and I fast-forwarded. It's not musical comedy and Saturday Night Live. It's worse. It's Monday Night Raw. I, this is even, I don't know, it, it's even more low budget than that. But the, to show you how it's more low budget than that, um, it's actually more like what was their show on Thunder? Uh, Th Thursday Thunder. It's WCW Thunder. Because as I'm zipping through and I was going to the end, I see an old gray-haired man. And I, st I said, it can't be. And I stopped. It was. It's Eric Bischoff. And Eric Bischoff is on there asking a question in the town hall. If... <laughs> If Eric is so hard up that he's got to travel in a pandemic at his age, he's older than me, to take a payoff just because the owner of the company is a mark for the company that Eric ran into the ground 20 years ago, it's still sad to see that. I, You know, I could give him some tips on podcasting and merchandise and how to make an income without having to prostitute himself like this, but... Then again, you got to have something that people want to hear or something that people want to buy, which is maybe why he's out here prostituting himself on a Marx television program, asking stupid questions in a goddamn cable access skit. Maybe that's it. I don't know.
Anyway, anything else happened there? Because I skipped it. No, it was terrible. It was just from the intro of Shivani and Dasha introducing themselves like it's a real town hall, just the goofiness of it. MJF has become a massive disappointment in the last several months. Chris Jericho's 2020 is a complete waste of time. I don't want to see this match. At this point, I don't really want to see these people on my fucking TV. The only thing, I will say I like the promo MJF did earlier in the show with him and Wardlow before the Wardlow match when MJF and Sammy Guevara had a bit of a confrontation. That was good. But everything else he does, look, very talented guy. But wrestling doesn't need to be a talent show where you show every single thing you could do each and every time you're out there. This stuff is awful. You this know what? One good. of the one of the girls needs to come out tap dancing. Like in the little junior miss pageant. Brandy.
Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 230 of the Hoots Podcast. Hope you guys are having a wonderful week so far. It is your truly, the nefarious brother Adam. You can follow me on Twitter at the Hoots Podcast. I am on Instagram at Joshi Lopez94. That's J O S H I E Lopez94. I also have a music page where I do some guitar covers a couple times throughout the month or so. And if you like, if you like to check those out, uh, make sure to check out Josh Lopez Music. I also have a website. It's called ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. That's my baby outside of this project. Uh, ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com is basically the one-stop shop for all your play-by-play articles for all your favorite um, television shows, whether it's WWE shows, AEW, Impact Wrestling. I also have transcripts for the um, streaming shows like NXT UK and 205 Live. And, of course, I cover all the events from New Japan Pro Wrestling as well. And um, I make transcripts. This is a point of reference website for a lot of you who do podcasts like this. Or just wrestling fans who don't have the time to catch up with the product. So make sure to bookmark ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Uh, I just want to send a deep shout to each and every single one of you who take time out of your schedule to check out this podcast, first of all. And also uh, the website as well. Uh, I really do appreciate the support each and every single week from you good brothers and good sisters. We have no fans <laughs> of the Hoots Podcast. We have a family. We have good brothers and good sisters who take the time to support this content. And it's not just my show. It's Brother Carter's show. It's B-Rob's show. It's Adam Daly's show. It's Mitchell McMule's show. Uh, it's the good brothers who send the questions every week and the good brother Q&A, which we're going to be doing in a couple minutes. It's their show as well. This is a, a show about brotherhood and uh, bringing more positive vibe into the world of professional wrestling talk. Uh, do we have do we have our times where we get negative and have stuff to critique? Yes, we do, but um, I'm all about the positive energy on Hoots Podcast, and I want this to be a positive escape for you guys. So I just want to say, again, thank you all for the support that you guys give out each and every single week. And um, it just <clears throat> it motivates me to get better each and every single week. So um, also, I wanted to mention really quick, if you're a first-time listener to the Hoots Podcast, thank you so much. Uh, you could subscribe to the podcast right now, anywhere you get your podcasts from, because we free of charge every single Thursday. We don't have a Patreon account. We don't have anything extra for you to buy or anything. All we ask is for you to subscribe it, to subscribe to the pod so you never miss an episode. And more importantly, leave us a review, especially for those who use Apple Podcasts. If you have an iTunes account, uh, go to the pod, uh, podcast section, type in Hoots Podcast in. Uh, let us know what you like about the podcast. Do you like the thoughts of Derrico? Do you like what the hell is wrong with AEW? Our signature uh, segment. Is there anything we could improve on? Is there anything that uh, you would like to hear uh, specifically on the podcast? Just hit hit me up and I'm always open to any suggestions or advice. So, um, there's a lot going on, obviously. Um, we still have no idea who our president is going to be. So there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of tension brewing around in the country right now. So um, as we always do here in the Who's Podcast, it's our goal to help you uh, help provide uh, a positive distraction for you during these times. <laughs> and um, all I'll say about that is that um, no matter what happens, let's uh, take a step back and actually realize no matter who won this election, there's more issues than what side of the fence you're on because 
this country is not united one iota. <laughs> so there's a lot of other issues to worry about than just which side of the political fence you're on. So, um, yeah, let's move on real quick, right? So, last week was a little different. We had like a gazillion reviews to do. I think I did Hell in a Cell, Bound for Glory, Halloween Havoc. There was a lot of reviews last week. So I think this week's podcast is going to be a little bit more different. Uh, especially when we get to this week in WWE, we're um, get more into the storylines and the build up towards the fire series, right? And then uh, later on in the podcast, uh, we'll have um, what the hell is wrong with AEW. But at the end of that segment, we'll also be making predictions for AEW's full gear pay-per-view, which should be taking place this Saturday. Speaking of this Saturday, and later on in the podcast uh, this week, I'll be making predictions and previewing this weekend's New Japan Power Struggle show in Osaka. Uh, I'll be doing that Saturday morning, so uh, yeah, that should be a fun event to cover, and then... um, yeah, so there's a lot going on, and like I mentioned a couple minutes ago, make sure to bookmark ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Uh, it's really uh, a project that I'm really proud of, and I bust my ass for that website, and I hope you guys enjoy it. So, Alright, here we go. Let's get to the Good Brother Q&A session, as we do each and every single week on the Hoots Podcast. What that is, is that you, the Good Brothers, and maybe you, you Good Sisters as well, down the road, you can send questions to yours truly at the Hoots Podcast or the Hoots Podcast at gmail.com. All, all you have to do is send me a question and I'll read your question and answer them in the opening monologue of our podcast. That's what we do here every single uh, week on the Hoots Podcast. We take time uh, out of the show to answer your questions. So there's a uh, gargantuan size of questions this week, so I'm gonna try my best to answer all of them. Uh, I got questions from uh, the the usual suspects like the Gerber, Chris Zaletta, which you can follow him at Twitter X Team Zaletta 24X. Um, also, Nate the Great uh, at Cycle Nagiri. I got a question from the good brother Patrick Fritz at Rated PWF, and we, I got a couple questions this morning from the good brother of all good brothers. The hot take master himself, Sam Piopo. Uh, make sure you follow me on Twitter, Second City Sam. And yes, hashtag Philly is trash. All right, we're gonna start it off with answering Chris's questions. He says, "What's up, Oos? Here's some questions for this week. What were your go-to movies at Blockbuster? God, man, <laughs> I, I'm glad this is the first question because it's actually making you feel old now. Like I, uh, for those who kids were like born in the '90s, like Blockbuster was the thing. Like before Netflix and all this extra stuff that everybody clings onto these days, Blockbuster was a place to be. Uh, especially for me as a kid, like when they were selling video games or they had like wrestling pay per views that they would sell at Blockbuster, you rent it out. And uh, I had a blockbuster like that was a couple ho- uh, a couple blocks away from my house, and um, I-, I loved blockbuster. So I think my go-to movies were always uh, sports movies or uh, deep deep comedy movies, like uh, the Friday movies, for example. I-, I loved every single Friday movie. Uh, I love Soul Plane. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of movies I, I liked. So I, I'd probably say for me, uh, specifically, it would be sports-related movies or 
uh, dark, edgy comedy movies. Um, you know, I was for, I don't know, I don't know if I would say fortunate, but I was allowed to watch some things that maybe I was I should have been allowed to watch at a certain age when I was younger, and maybe that's why I don't have a filter uh, like I do. But um, yeah, so I <laughs> sports and edgy comedy movies uh, were my go tos at Blockbuster. Uh, by the way, it, it, I don't know if you guys can relate to this. Getting popcorn from Blockbuster was better sometimes than getting popcorn from like a CVS or your local like produce stores or whatever. I don't know if you guys can relate to that, but the best popcorn always comes from Blockbuster as well. Um, okay, next question. Have you watched the Mob Wives series? I have not, uh, Chris, I am not really interested in mob wives, like, TV shows. I'm not into the Real Housewives. I'm not into, um, those really deep drama-filled, uh, TV shows. It's not for me. Um, I'm, I'm not opposed to watching mob stuff because I am half Italian, but <laughs> still, I, I'm not watching mob wives. No shot. Any show on the Food Network that interests you? Um, I've always been a Guy Fieri guy. Um, the guy is just awesome. <laughs> Getting to see a lot of these different uh, restaurants that he travels to and see which ones really stand out from the rest. They make a lot of good food in the South, I'll say that. The, I, I forget certain names of restaurants, but you just look at certain places down in the South and they make good, like... Um, grilled cheese uh slash like smoked barbecue sandwiches and all this stuff but it it i i probably say any uh show that guy fieri did on that network so which fast and furious you think the best one is outside of the original i probably say the last one paul walker was in just because that sentimental feeling i mean I loved everyone that The Rock was in, obviously, uh, being a big wrestling fan. But sentimentally, like that last uh, Fast and Furious movie that Paul Walker was in before he passed away was really awesome. And just that final scene where um, Brian is looking at uh, Dominic Toretto and it's you got Charlie Puth's See You Again song in the background. Like, I don't know how, if you watched the movie at the movie theater or you, like, purchased it at home. Like, I don't know how you did not be overcome with emotion when you saw that scene uh, for, uh, as Paul Walker um, rode off in the sunset. Uh, that that movie was really good. Uh, so that, that one really stands out the most to me. And also, uh, Gal Gadot, good waterfall. And she's the tourist too, so that's, that gives her extra points in my world. <laughs> Um, favorite thing to do around Christmas time, uh, play music with my grandfather. I like playing guitar with my grandfather, uh, during Christmas and especially on Christmas Eve. Uh, my grandpa always gets like a, he has a little get together every Christmas Eve night and I, I play a lot of songs for him. We can play for a couple hours and speaking of my grandpa, I want to, uh, take some time real quick to wish him a happy birthday today. I love you, man. Um, it's my grandpa's birthday today. As I'm recording this on a Thursday, pal. Um, is Paige a Hall of Famer besides the Waterfall Hall of Fame? Well, Chris, <laughs> I, 
I, I gotta give some time down the road to even consider what tiers would be in the Waterfall Hall of Fame and who would be the first class. We could do that down the road whenever we have the Pipe Bomb Reunion show or something like that, okay? <laughs> um, but is Paige a Hall of Famer wrestling-wise? I think so. She What she did for the women's revolution in pro wrestling cannot be understated. I know a lot of people go towards AJ, AJ Lee because she started to cut promos like CM Punk before they started getting with each other. And I know a lot of people cling on to that like it's the greatest thing. But I, ne- I never looked at AJ like she was some top tier wrestler in the ring. And when I look at the context of everything that's happened in WWE in the last five to six years, Paige, obviously the first NXT Women's Champion, uh, having the first Women's Match on a NXT TakeOver, um, you know, her debut, her impact in the business. I, I always said it, man, um, when she was an active wrestler, she was my personal favorite performer on the roster um, before Alexa Bliss showed up. And then, um, unfortunately, just had a bad luck of injuries. We know what happened with the situation with Alberto uh, Del Rio, which was unfortunate. Um, but I've always been a big fan of Paige. Uh, I wish she was still wrestling, but that's some <laughs> life works in mysterious ways sometimes. And um, she she was a tremendous wrestler, and I think she's definitely worthy for the Hall of Fame. Even though her career got cut short, just her impact in the industry cannot be... Um, undervalued or underestimated and I think she is a Hall of Famer in my eyes. Who do you think is in the screen costume in NXT? Uh, easy question. That's Indy Hartwell. Who takes the NXT Women's title off of EO? I'd probably say either uh, Rhea Ripley or Tony Storm. Uh, that'd be probably my picks there. And then, do we get a surprise appearance at Full Gear? If so, who? Uh, I, I've been seeing a lot of tweets and stuff about Sting possibly showing up at full gear on Saturday. Honestly, I don't care if he shows up. I don't. Like, AEW has got me to the point where, like, I'm watching their product for work. Like, they've done nothing for me to hook me on their weekly television shows. Uh, they overrun Dark to death with... 15 match cards on a YouTube show that lasts almost two and a half hours every single week. Like, I'm at the point that I'm so indifferent with AEW that I'm just watching it and covering it for work. That's it. And I'm I'm just being honest with you guys. Like, I don't enjoy their show. I don't enjoy their tone. I don't enjoy... I don't uh, like or have respect for the people who run that company. It's just a freaking clown show right there. The inmates are running the asylum. You got Chris Jericho popping off the mouth pretending that he doesn't know anything about politics. I'm not a political person. Like, go fuck yourself, dude. Yes, you are. (laughs) Don't say you're not when you made three donations to the Trump campaign. Like, come on, dude. (laughs) Who are you fooling? And then you you got... Cody Rhodes, who talks out of both sides of his ass, and then you got the Young Bucks who are pretentious. I just, their vibe, their tone, Chris, turns me off. Their product turns me off as a wrestling fan. I think you guys get that vibe with 
what the hell is wrong with AEW statement. And that's really unfortunate because I want them to succeed. I want to enjoy their show. I'm going to cover every show of theirs. And it's not that I hate AEW. I'm just indifferent. They lost me. The wrestling fan in me, Joshi, they lost. Now, the person who covers the industry as an analyst... I had to see this much show for what it is and see if they double down on the crap they put out every single week. So I'm in a bind, you know. Do you do your work or you stop watching something that you don't enjoy? Like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> so I don't really think they're going to come up with anything interesting surprises. And honestly, if Steam comes out and pretends to advocate for Darby Allen, is that really going to change the needle? Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But I appreciate the questions, Chris. You always send great ones, buddy. Um, next one from Nate the Grade. He had a couple of questions he wanted to send me. Let me take a swig of water really quick as I do this. Hurt business holding all the gold on Raw, but WWE title, yay or nay? Uh, I say yay for now. Right now, there's a lot of um, transition going on, especially on the Raw brand for the fact that Rainer just became the WWE Champion. You really don't know what the actual WWE title scene looks like because Drew, Drew McIntyre is still in his feelings. He still wants to get his title back. You got The Fiend lurking in the background. You don't know if AJ Styles is going to be going after the title soon or if he's just going to be in the mid-card. And then... You got other guys on the roster that uh, they may get their chance at a title. A Braun Strowman, Keith Lee, you got Miz as Mr. Money to make. They're, right now, Raw is really deep in transition, and I'll talk about that in this week at WWE. But as far as the Hurt Business is concerned, what they're doing right now is perfect. They are the best group in professional wrestling right now. The Hurt Business is the best group in professional wrestling. I said it. MVP is the best frontman. Cedric and Shelton can get a chance to win the tag team titles from the New Day soon, which would be awesome. Bobby Lashley uh, is the United States champion. is a good choice on my end. And I, I'm all in with the Hurt Business. I always put it out on Facebook every Monday when I wake up, man. Man, big things are popping and little things are stopping, pal. Do you think Unstudera comes to SmackDown before or after WrestleMania? After the Inedible War Games match, I don't know what they can still do. Well, they could turn on each other and the group disbands. There's nothing to guarantee that the Undisputed Era as a group is going to be that group when it, whenever they pop up on Raw or SmackDown. I don't believe that. And what's unfortunate about this is that we still have this pandemic going on. So what when is the proper time to roll in the Undisputed Era? Do we know if we're going to actually have fans by the time WrestleMania comes next year? I hope so, because I, I can't have another freaking year where I'm stuck in this damn city and not be able to travel anywhere. I can't do it, man. It's just not good for my mental health. But um, I, I don't know, man. I would love to see him on Raw and SmackDown, but with this pandemic and we don't know when the crowds are going to come back, uh, how you properly bring them in and have that big buzz of an impact that you want out of that? I just don't know if you can pull that off in the Thunderdome. And I, and there may be a possibility that the Thunderdome still exists by WrestleMania next year. 
Think about that. Just freaking embarrassing. Um, all right, next question. Who do you hope wins a world title in 2021? Uh, I like to say Kevin Owens wins a world championship in 2021. And I also like to see Keith Lee as a world champion in 2021. Also, let's add Big E to the list too. Why not? Very subjective, but do you think AEW has used Ortiz and Santana the best they could? No, they haven't. Uh, I think they're way, way watered down than what they were on Impact Wrestling. You know, it's a bad thing when Impact Wrestling has better presentations of certain performers than AEW. Uh, I, 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 when I see Santana and Ortiz now on my screen, I just throw my hands up in the air. I'm like, I know what they can do in the ring. And the parking lot fight they had with Best Friends was awesome. They're awesome performers. That's not... I'm not knocking Santana Ortiz, but the fact that they're associated with the biggest waste of space in pro wrestling in 2020 right now, and stuck in the lamest group of pro wrestling in 2020, it's it just hurting their stock. They miss Conan, and the vibe is just not the same. It's just not the same, you know. It's nice to have buzz in certain companies, but just because you get it from one company, that doesn't mean that's going to replicate in another company that you perform in. And I don't know if that's a knock on the promotion, or that's just more of a knock on them as performers. I, I don't know. It, it just doesn't feel the same when I watch Santana Ortiz on AEW. They're great performers. They're great dudes. I always support Barricans. <laughs> I always uh, support my fellow Latino wrestlers. I want to succeed, but nothing, they're just there, <laughs> you know, they're just there. What's the best piece of advice you ever received? Um, I, I think for my grandpa, it's just always keeping true to your word and letting you de- decide your path. And then uh, I, I got the same advice from my dad as well, uh, just speaking for myself and uh, stuff like that, and then you you know you look at other advices, and you, you know you get inspiration from lyrics. You know, um, like Biggie's uh, song called "Sky's the Limit." He has "If the game shakes me or breaks me, I hope it makes me a better man, take a better stand." And then he has like the rapping line. He's like, um, "Live the phrase, sky's the limit, motherfucker. See chunks on top." Uh, and then. You know, CM Punk, uh, there's a lot of stuff that he said that I looked up to and uh, stuff like that. So I have a lot of different spurts of inspiration and advice and stuff like that. But uh, the main one that always stands out the most to me is from my grandpa and my dad. Is that uh, you got to make decisions on your own and stay, more importantly, stay true to your word. And I think a lot more people should practice that as well. So... Um, do you ever miss being young and having no bills and less stress? Um, well, I'm still partially young, if you want to consider that. I'm 26 years old. Uh, I'm not old. I'm not at the point where I'm paying for mortgages and all this extra stuff. I- I'll probably get that sooner or later, and maybe I'll have a different answer for you. But, <laughs> uh, do I miss being young? Yes and no. Uh, I miss the innocence of being young. I miss some aspects of hanging out with my friends at school and stuff like that. That The friends I did have uh, when I was growing up in my childhood. Uh, a lot of my friends now in the city don't even live here anymore. So it gets lonely sometimes. But um, 
I, I miss that aspect. I miss playing music around the city and around the country. I miss doing that. I miss that aspect of being young. Um, I miss the the performance of like major concert band shows and stuff like that. I that's the stuff I miss being young. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in, in the world, and I don't feel like I'm overly stressed all the time. To uh, to be honest with you. I feel like more times than not, I'm in a really good place mentally and uh, emotionally. And also a lot, the thing with that is that, unlike a lot of people, I don't lose energy or sleep over stuff that I have no control over. So what may upset you and may get you uh, titsy and may make you feel butthurt over certain topics, I just, I just toss this aside because it's really nothing that I really... It's nothing to uh, I should expend energy on. So, do you have any memories from your childhood around Christmas that uh, Christmas time that still stick out to you? Well, I do remember the I forgot what year. I think it was probably either two thousand and six or two thousand and seven. But I did a all city jazz band concert at Navy Pier. They had this like big Winter Wonderland exposition at Navy Pier, and. When I was in seventh grade, uh, we did a concert there at Navy Pier. That's the one that really stands out the most to me. Early Super Bowl predictions. Right now, it's looking like the the Ravens versus the Buccaneers. But if it was up to me, uh, I don't think the Buccaneers are going to make the Super Bowl. Fuck that team. Fuck Antonio Brown. <laughs> Can't stand his ass. Uh, I, I hope they lose their first playoff game, pal. I, I'll tell you that. Uh, not a slight, not a slight towards Tom Brady. He is, he is the goat. I'm not knocking him, but fucking Antonio Brown. <laughs> I can't stand that dude. Um, the reports are that NXT was that. Uh, the reports are that NXT was left off Survivor Series because of COVID. Do you think that's true? How would you personally book Survivor Series? I, I think that was the case because, um, you know, they had the whole Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT uh, concept debut last year here in Chicago, which was a fun weekend. I went to all the shows. It was awesome. And it's a, it's a concept that could probably work down the road if they do it yearly. But um, as far as booking it, it it's just it's so different because you don't know who has the uh, coronavirus or not. So that's a lot of things that people are not really putting into equations like how many people do you actually want at a certain raw or smackdown show so like i think so, we're so accustomed to watching what raw and smackdowns are supposed to be in some of these wwe shows so if you don't see certain performance for a certain amount of time you're like oh what are they doing they're being held back they're being buried uh, they're being ignored or whatever but like there's a lot of different parameters that's going on in this pandemic era of wrestling that I don't think people are actually acknowledging. How many said talent do you actually need at one Raw event or one SmackDown event or even a pay-per-view? So, fantasy booking, of course, you could have Roman Reigns versus Finn Balor, right? That would be an awesome match. EO versus Sasha. Or uh, EO versus Asuka. 
You got Birch and Lorcan. I'm still at the champions right now. You got Birch and Lorcan. You could have them fight uh, the New Day. Or you could have uh, Birch and Lorcan for the Street Profits. And then you got a guy like Johnny Gargano. Maybe he fights Sami Zayn or Bobby Lashley. And then Survivor Series scenes. You know, you got Dream, Champa, uh, Priest, Champa, Velveteen Dream. Uh, Bronson Reed, Cameron Grimes, and then you have on the other side, um, Kevin Owens, Keith Lee, Drew McIntyre. Like, you, there's a lot of different options. Like, hell, you could have a match with uh, Adam Cole against Pick Who, Pick Who from the roster, Drew McIntyre, Adam Cole versus Drew McIntyre, Adam Cole versus. Right, Orton. Only reason I brought up Drew McIntyre is because the fact that the Undisputed Era uh, debuted after uh, Drew McIntyre won a title. Uh, people kind of forget about that, but uh, there's a lot of different fancy booking options you could have gone if XT was part of Survivor Series this year. But the thing is that, like I mentioned a couple minutes ago, how many people do you want at this event? And if there were crowds and this pandemic was over and we had a vaccine and everything. NXT would have been part of Survivor Series this year. Next question comes from Patrick at Rated PWF. Patrick Fritz. Where do you see the WWE title picture going over the course of the next six months? I see things going around with Randy Orton still going on. I, I think we still have The Fiend lurking in the background, but I don't believe The Fiend needs a world championship to justify his character. So there's ways you can get out of that. You can have uh, Edge come out and attack Randy Orton or something like that at a Royal Rumble, and then The Miz cashes in his briefcase. It made The Miz the champion going into... Uh, WrestleMania, you never know. Like, uh, Drew McIntyre's still around. He could be a champion. Keith Lee, AJ Styles, the list goes on and on and on. Raw has a good roster. They have a good chance to have more people in the WWE title seat than they did the last couple years. But I think for now, it looks like Randy Orton may walk into WrestleMania as a champion. And don't be surprised if it's Randy Orton and Edge for the WWE title. Do not be surprised if that happens. So, that's a good question, Pat. Um, next question. The last batch of questions here is from the good brother of all good brothers, Sam Piopo. Alright, here we go. Put yourself in Ryan Pace's shoes. Where do you go? Where do you go from here at the end of the season when it comes to the quarterback position? Well... Both guys are gone, obviously. Mitch's fifth-year contract was not picked up, so obviously he's not going to be on the team next year. And when Nick got traded here, they uh, restructured his contract, so there was a opt-out option for Nick Foles. And if I'm Nick Foles, get out of here. I'm speaking for him. There's nothing else that he could do to salvage his career in this city. There's nothing for him to do. He's not the savior. I'm sorry to mention this to the uh, to the choir right here, but we were sold a bill, a bill of goods of Nick Foles to be the savior of the Chicago Bears because people latch on their disdain towards Mitch Trubisky when it's actually their disdain towards Ryan Pace. 
And honestly, <laughs> it doesn't matter who's in because they're they have <laughs> they have no room to grow. What solution are we going to get out of this? You know, and all all this has to be what really needs to be in the back of the mind of Ryan Pace is that he was also selling a bill of goods for a supposed offensive guru in 2018. And have your opinions on wherever quarterback it is, but the real problem with the Chicago Bears is your head coach. That's the problem. Take on Tony LaRussa hiring. Look, I am not going to be the person to come out here and throw a hissy fit over the fact that a Hall of Fame manager is the manager of my favorite baseball team. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. Do I understand people's concerns and people's uh, disappointment over the fact that we didn't have a younger or hot, fresh name as a manager? Sure. It, does it follow the, the the tea leaves of the rebuild and everything they've been doing over the last two seasons? No. But this team is not in a rebuilding situation anymore. They're in a situation where they have a good squad. They have the talent to win now. And Ricky Retoree was not getting the job done. And I'm not going to apologize for having a Hall of Fame manager as the manager of the Chicago White Sox. I'm not. And I'm also not going to come on here and cap like um, A.J. Hinch and Alex Cora, two cheaters, are the greatest managers of all time. By the way, those two were, were not the ones that I wanted to be the manager for the White Sox, by the way, folks. You know who I wanted? I wanted Bruce Bochy to be the general, uh, not the general manager, the manager of the White Sox. So, yeah. <laughs> the last time Tony LaRussa was the manager of the White Sox, my dad was 10 years old. I get it. He's he's old. He's 76 years old. I, I totally understand it. I'm not going to apologize for it, though. Do Does Tony LaRussa hinder this team? Does Tony LaRussa really lost his step as a manager? As everything he put into his Hall of Fame career just magically evaporates from his brain threshold? I don't know. We'll see. Just like in any sport, the talent... The talent supersedes whoever's running that department as the coach. Case in point, this going back to your last question. You know why Matt Nagy has a good record as a head coach? It's because of the defense and the defensive talent. Think about that. So, um, I, I, I'm not saying that I love this hire. I'm not saying there were people else that I wanted to get this job. But I'm not going to apologize for having Tony LaRussa as the manager of the White Sox. Do you think David Montgomery offers more than what he shows in his first season and a half? Yes, I do. There's been times where David Montgomery has broken off tack, uh, broken tackles and made long strides down the field. But it doesn't matter what running back you are, when your old line is pure ass, you have no shot. <laughs> you just have no shot. The old line sucks, 
and that that falls on the feet of Ryan Pace and nobody else. So I, I feel bad for David because he's a talented running back. He leads the league in broken tackles, but it doesn't really mean anything because the fact that he's unable to have time to get into holes or have chunk plays and. You know, it it sucks. That guy, for that talented, that can break tackles and all this stuff, for the fact that that dude only has, what, four or five rushing touchdowns in his career so far, is sad. And that falls in the feet of the offensive line. There's no other excuse for that. Like, what can you do when you have the ball in a shotgun system, which was... So ridiculous for Matt Nagy. I agree with what Tom Waddle said uh, a couple weeks ago on Wallace Sylvie. He's like, when you have Mitch in as the quarterback and they were starting to have plays where it was just him under center and the Bears were running the ball better in the first couple weeks of the season, I agree with him. Why are we stuck in this fucking shotgun bubble all the time? We're not Kansas City. I don't care that he came from the Chiefs. You had your chance to really make a name for yourself, Matt Nagy, and you decided to go to your well and act like you're something that you're not. You're not Andy Reid. You're not Andy Reid. We don't have Kansas City players on our football team. The offensive genius, three years into the job, still hasn't found an identity for what his offense should look like. And that's a problem. Lou Malnati's or Giordano's? Uh, Lou Malnati's. Uh, that, that's an easy uh, question. <laughs> um, is Brock Lesnar underappreciated by wrestling fans? Yes. Uh, big time. Way, way underappreciated. Even on my own end that I underappreciate Brock Lesnar sometimes. Um, last question here from Sam. He says, best memories of The Undertaker. I'd say all of them. Um, you know, Undertaker is my personal favorite wrestling character of all time. You know, I always say that CM Punk's my favorite wrestler of all time, but uh, all of this started with The Undertaker. You know, he was the first wrestler that I loved. Uh, I loved every iteration of The Undertaker, American Badass. Uh, you know, Undertaker's WrestleMania 20 entrance was still one of my favorites of all time. Um, what he did with AJ Styles for the Boneyard match this year at WrestleMania was really special. I love the last ride, spe- uh, last ride documentary that they did on the Undertaker, which was fantastic. Uh, so I say all, all all of Undertaker's memories really stand out to me. And I remember being in Chicago for the Raw before WrestleMania 27, and they had this um, confrontation with Undertaker, Triple H, and Shawn Michaels, and that was just a really cool visual to see that in person. You know. Uh, yeah, three legends in the ring at the uh, Rosemont Horizon, and they're having this awesome talkie segment before WrestleMania, which was really cool. And that was the time where Undertaker was coming out to the uh, Eight No Grave song from Johnny Cash at the time, and I that that was really cool as well. So there's too many to count, you know, Sam. Uh, that, that guy's had so many leg- legendary matches and moments and promos and. There's a reason why people call Undertaker one of the GOATs in professional wrestling. And to me, he's my GOAT. So, um, I have... I, I love The Undertaker. I want to thank Chris, Pat, 
Nate the Great and Sam Pupil for saying great questions. Um, it was really thought-provoking and a lot of good ones as well. So I wanted to say, for those of you guys that ever want to send a question, all you have to do is send a question to me at the Hoots Podcast or um, you can email me at the Hoots Podcast at gmail.com. All right, before we go into this week in WWE, I want to play a clip from last night's uh, episode of NXT uh, on the USA Network. You get to hear some really good comments from Tommaso Ciampa. So when we come back, we'll get to this week in WWE. 2020 has been a year that none of us are ever going to forget. None of you... None of the guys in the back, none of the camera crew, none of the road crew. Guys, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I never knew just how damn valuable each and every one of you were to professional wrestling. You are the superstars. And when we say we are NXT, it's literally because of the passion that I feel from each and every one of you in this crowd today. We missed it. Month after month, facing Johnny Gargano in an empty building, we missed your passion. Facing Karrion Cross during his insane debut with the crazy music, we missed your passion. Listen guys, 2020 is weird. This entire year is strange. Hate is consuming this country and this world. And I look out to each and every one of you, and all I feel is love. It's gonna start as silly as it sounds, as dumb as it may sound to people outside of our bubble, outside of our circle, outside of our family. We know it to be true. This is how it starts. It starts with something like professional wrestling to bring different cultures, communities, people of different ages, races, religions, all in one building, chanting the same thing with passion, with love. You boo who you want, you cheer for who you want. Am I, I don't give a damn. I am an NXT superstar, and the reason I can say it is because I look out at each and every one of you, and you make it possible. Guys, girls, please continue to come out. It's only gonna grow. It's only gonna get better. Sooner than later, we're gonna be removing the masks. Sooner than later, we're gonna be filling up arenas all around the world again. Sooner than later, we're gonna share our art form on the biggest and grandest stages that this world has ever seen. And the best part, when it happens, when it happens, we know, we know without a shadow of doubt in our beings that you all are gonna bring this same passion tenfold. You all are gonna make NXT and professional wrestling greater than it ever has been before. So when I say it tonight, I'm saying it myself, for Vic, for Wade, for Alicia, for Tucker, for everybody in the back. When we say we are NXT, we mean it. So together, each and every one of you, say it loud. Say it proud, because we are 
Back here on the Hoots Podcast. Time to talk about what happened this week in WWE. You just heard some great audio right there from Tommaso Ciampa. Following this week's edition of WWE NXT on the USA Network. So, we got a lot to talk about this week. Uh, started off uh, taking a step back all the way for last week's edition of Friday Night Smackdown. And the continued uh, emotional roller coaster that is the Roman Reigns Jay Uso saga. And the tribal chief of pro wrestling doing what he's doing best, uh, getting inside the head of Jay Uso, to the fact that it pushed him to attack Daniel Bryan after beating him in a Survivor Series qualifying match uh, as the main event of SmackDown last week. Really solid main event. I'm loving everything that I'm seeing right now from the Tribal Chief and uh, Jey Uso. That's been a lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, a lot a lot of discussion and scuttlebutt and vitriol, as we've uh, mentioned many times here in the Hoots Podcast, about the continuing saga of, Ray, of Seth Rollins, Buddy Murphy, and Mysterio. So, last week... We finally got to the point where Aaliyah professed her love for Buddy Murphy. And she starts making out with him. Uh, good for you, Murphy. Um, I've always mentioned it when it came to this feud and this saga is the fact that I really appreciate what Seth Rollins is doing as a heel in this program. I've never said that I've marked out or was salivating over the mysterious aspect and... Uh, Aaliyah's sudden love and lust for Buddy Murphy, and we really don't know why. Um, but you know, <laughs> I, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. I I watched General Hospital and <laughs> Young and the Restless and stuff like that when I was younger. I watched soap operas. I'm not I'm not afraid to admit it. So this stuff really doesn't bother me that much, to be honest with you, as much as it does you guys. But I think there is an endgame somehow. There has to be. I I don't know where this is going, per se. I thought this would be something where maybe Seth Rollins has a series of matches with Buddy Murphy. But we just keep going down this road of the love aspect of, of Aaliyah and... Buddy Murphy instead of getting to the root of the Mysterios getting their revenge on Seth Rollins. So I have no idea how long this thing is going to go. But the fact that it continues on and it still bothers you guys, I like that trolley heat in a way. So <laughs> I hope it continues on for more months. Um, so I, I love what Seth Rollins has been doing, but we have to find some clarity either this week or before Survivor Series about where things are going with the Mysterios and Seth Rollins because uh, for, I'm, for Seth, I want to know how does he get out of this or how the Mysterios are going to get their revenge or just going to have this thing continue on every week where Aaliyah doesn't say anything, she don't explain herself, uh, we're stuck with blank looks on her face and Dominic is running into the ring every week and trying to brawl with Buddy Murphy like, there is some endgame here where Buddy finally gets the respect of the Mysterios, but I need to find some more clarity. That's that's my thoughts on it. Um, like the promo from Sasha Banks, man, she's fantastic. <laughs> There's really nothing else you really need to say about it. Like, 
Sasha Banks is just on another level right now to everybody. And she's clicking on all cylinders, uh, waterfall game-wise as well. So, Sasha Banks is awesome. Um, they're having the rematch tomorrow night for the SmackDown Women's Championship. It's Sasha Banks versus Bayley. And that should be pretty interesting. We'll see what happens. Uh, let's transition really quick to Monday Night Raw. Some stuff that stood out to me. Uh, really love the promo segment with Randy Orton at the beginning of the show. We still have Alexa Bliss lurking around and stuff with the Firefly Funhouse, which is <laughs> their pairing right now has been off the charts. I really, I don't have enough words to really surmise how awesome this pairing has been with uh, Bray Wyatt and Alexa Bliss. Uh, she, Alexa looks like she's in her element in a way in the Firefly Funhouse. We get to see her new looks and everything, and I'm all for it. You know, the Firefly Funhouse this week was really, really good as well. We got a couple of expletives and, you know, Bray's gave flashbacks to what happened when Ray Orton turned his back on the Wyatt family and burned down the, the, the barn. <laughs> so, uh, obviously, Bray's looking to get his revenge. And I've, as I always mentioned with The Fiend, his goal is about... Seeking vengeance and getting receipts for people who've done Bray Wyatt wrong. That's why the feed exists. And what's unfortunate sometimes is the fact that the title gets in the way of the goal for the fiend. And again, I, I maybe the element of the Firefly Funhouse that's that states the fact that yeah, it looks cool when Bray's holding the title of the Funhouse, but. Um, I, I just don't think Bray needs a world championship to justify what he's doing on TV. And plus, anytime I see Alexa Bliss on my television screen, it's a good thing. So, more Alexa Bliss, the better. So, I, I really liked Monday Night Raw this week. I thought it was some really solid matches, especially the uh, Keith Lee, Braun Strowman, and Sheamus match. My God. Uh, that was a three-way barn burner from Three Hosses. Uh, if you guys haven't seen that match, go check it out. By the way, shout out to AJ Styles <laughs> for his promo. <laughs> I'm buddy. That dude's a trip, man. Uh, that dude cracks me up. Uh, so Team Raw is looking pretty good on the men's side. Uh, they need, uh, I think they're all pretty much set if I'm not mistaken. No, they need one more person. So it's AJ Styles, Keith Lee, Shaves, Braun Strowman, and they need one more person. So we'll figure out who that is before Survivor Series comes around the quarter. And then uh, we still got the Miz and John Morrison lurking around uh, with the Money in the Bay recase. The main event of Raw this week was Drew McIntyre against the Miz and John Morrison in the 2-1 handicap match. I thought that match was pretty solid as well, so I enjoyed that. And then my favorite part of Raw this week was the confrontation with the Hurt Business and the New Day. Hurt Business versus New Day feud is something that I'll sign up any day of the week. Uh, I'll sign up for for any day of the week, any time of the year. Um, to have New Day trade bards with MVP on the mic is just gold. And just the whole element of the Hurt Business and the New Day feuding with each other is just awesome, man. Like I mentioned earlier, the Hurt Business is the best group in professional wrestling, and I love what they do. I I love their group. I love the look. I love the the message. I love the execution of the group. Uh, all four guys are benefiting for the group. And MVP, like I I said a few months ago, 
this run right now is solidifying MVP's bid into the WWE Hall of Fame. It's not even close. MVP is definitely a WWE Hall of Famer now. And MVP is one of the legends on the mic. And the Hurt Business and New Day are delivering good business, if you will. Uh, they, had a, they had a good match as well on Monday Night Raw. So, uh, just a really solid show from top to bottom this week. I, I think I enjoyed Raw this week more than I enjoyed SmackDown. But I think that the Raw brand is starting to uh, gain some momentum as well, which is a good thing. And um, <laughs> I always got had the pop for the uh, Nia Jax putting Lana through the announce table. I just find it very interesting. You know what? I'm going to save that point for what the hell is wrong with AEW. So let's say that for later. But a couple more things before we wrap up this segment. First and most importantly, we, we got Survivor Series coming around the corner, right? Yeah, six matches already announced. Uh, we know the champions are fighting the champions from uh, uh, prospective brands. And some interesting matches. You know, you got Randy Orton and Roman Reigns. You got Bobby Lashley against Sami Zayn. New Day, Street Profits, uh, Asuka, and Sasha Banks. Uh, the, the two Survivor Series matches for the men and the women. So... I think we're getting some good wrestling on the show. Um... Is it a bummer that NXT is not part of it this year? Sure, but I I like what I'm seeing so far from Raw and SmackDown, and uh, so I think Survivor Series is going to be a pretty good pay-per-view this year. But what I really wanted to mention is what I saw last Thursday after I was done recording this show. I saw one of the matches of the year. Walter versus Ilya Dragunov. And my god, man, that match was just absolutely beautiful art, man. And here's the thing, I always hear people talk about, oh, wrestling needs to evolve, wrestling needs to have this next evolution phase, wrestling needs to uh, embrace high-flying and gazillion counters and spot-fests and all this extra stuff that you see in these independent promotions. There's room for that, but what Walter and Ilya Dragunov did on NXT UK last week, that was pro wrestling. And I'll also say this. You, everybody should watch NXT UK. I really do. I really am invested in this brand. They got the best booth in the WWE. Andy Shepard and Nigel McGuinness. Uh, it's not even close. Uh... They got the best vibe. The stories make sense. The vibe of the show is just... It feels like a wrestling show. Uh, I love Gallus. I love the Grizzly Young Veterans. I love Jordan Devlin. Uh, I get a kick out of Eddie Dennis. Eddie Dennis! Uh, <laughs> you got High Flyers. You got a variety of things that XUK that offers to you, the wrestling fan. Kaylee Ray is one of the most underrated female wrestlers in the world. You know, I love the NXT UK brand. I love what they're doing. I love what they stand for. And it's my favorite WWE show of the week. Uh, if you haven't seen Walter versus Ilya Dragunov, after you watch that match, you're going to be hooked into NXT UK. Because it's not just those two guys. They have a roster full of talented men and women who bust their ass every single week. And they are very, very good at what they do. I love the NXT UK brand. 
Uh, of course, they're missing their biggest superstar, and that's their fans. But I, I just love the feel from it for the BT Sports Studio and Triple H, Shawn Michaels, William Regal, uh, Robbie, Robbie Brookside, and everybody that's involved with that project uh, in XUK should be very proud for what they're bringing to the table because it's the best wrestling show in the world. Uh, it's NXUK, and it's not even close. Uh, so I just want to give a shout out that way. So. Alright folks, that's my thoughts on this week in WWE. Uh, we're a few weeks out from Survivor Series, so as we get closer I can get more detail on the build aspect of this pay-per-view and uh, we'll see whether uh, Drew McIntyre joins Team Brawl down the road or Drew McIntyre is going to have another shot at the WWE title. We'll have to see. But um, yeah, another solid week this week for the WWE and folks, go check out NXT UK. Alright, I'm going to take one more swig of water, then we come back, I'm going to make predictions for New Japan Power Struggle, right here on the Hoots Podcast. Alright, 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 we're back here on the Hoots Podcast, pal. Uh, time to make some quick predictions for New Japan Pro Wrestling's Power Struggle event in Osaka coming up this Saturday. I'll have the coverage for you on ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com and Excuse me, by the way, if you guys haven't seen New Japan Strong on New Japan World, it's a really fun show. I think you guys really would enjoy it. Alright, we got six matches for this event, and um, I'm really looking forward to this. There's no tag team matches where uh, the inner Joshi, the wrestling fan of me, is happy because I think sometimes New Japan uh, goes overkill with the tag matches on these events, but... Um, excited for this. We have six matches on the card for Saturday as per ritual for, uh, for New Japan Pro Wrestling during this pandemic era of wrestling. So I'm going to run down the card and give you some predictions for the event. So here we go. First match, we have Toriano, the holder of the KOPW 2020 contract. Uh, this is going to be a no quarters pad match with Zack Sabre Jr., Unfortunately, unlike the G1, I think Yano's going to beat Zack Sabre Jr. And that's going to probably tick me off. But, alright, next match. Something that will be good, I promise you that. Minoru Suzuki versus Shingo Takagi. This is part three of their series. Uh, Shingo, uh, my bad, Suzuki won the title from Shingo at the Genju uh, Stadium uh, event. And... Shingo defeated Suzuki in the G1. So who wins part three? I think Shingo regains the never open weight title. I'm really looking forward to that match. We got Okada versus the great Okan. Um, I gotta say, man, like, Will Ospreay is cutting some solid promos as a heel, but I need to see more from the great Okan. I, I'm not, I, have, I haven't been impressed, to be honest with you. Um, I don't know why he screeches like a girl every time he does a Mongolian chop. It's weird. Uh, the weird dance he does to the ring. I I, I just don't get the presentation. Uh, uh, Tomioki Oka is a good wrestler, but I need to see more from him. So Okada versus the Great Okada in the singles match. I think Okada wins. Uh It'll be a bad look for the uh, for Great Okan if he tats out. I'll just say that. Fourth match, we have Kenta versus Hiroshi, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi. This match is for the IWGP US Heavyweight uh, Briefcase, uh, the one that Kenta won for winning the New Japan Cup in the USA. 
and um, this is the briefcase to fight the cosplayer of all cosplayers, John Moxley, the current IWGP United States Heavyweight Champion. So, uh, I, as much as I love Tanahashi, he is the real ace of pro wrestling. I'm sorry, Cody Rhodes, if that's your real name. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, I, as much as I love Tanahashi, I'm going with Kenta here. I, I believe Kenta is the guy to defeat John Moxley for this title. Yeah, on paper, Tanahashi and uh, John Moxley would be an interesting match, but I got Ketsa winning this match. Uh, it should be a fun one to watch. Um, next one, we have uh, the semi-main event. It's for the Wrestle Kingdom briefcase. So this is Jay White's last chance to main event Wrestle Kingdom uh, 15, and um, it'll be Ibushi versus Jay White. This one should be a barn burner. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, this will be a fun match, but I got Kota retaining over Jay White, but that's going to be a very physical match. And then finally, the main event, Tetsuya Naito versus Evil for the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Championships. Uh, this is a double championship match. This is the last match in the Naito-Evil rivalry. Um, it's finally over. <laughs> And I think Naito will retain over Evil, but uh, th this match will probably go for 30 minutes as well. So uh, make sure to check out Power Struggle. It's going to be a fun event. I love covering New Japan Pro Wrestling events. And um, I, I wanted to mention here on the Hoots Podcast that on ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com, we will be covering not only the World Tag League, but also the Best of the Super Juniors Tournament. So, more New Japan content coming your way on ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com in the month of November and December. And looking forward to uh, covering that, covering those tournaments for the first time. You know, I've always done the New Japan Cup and uh, the G1, but I never did the World Tag League or the Best of the Super Junior. So, I I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It should be a, a lot of fun to uh, document, if you will. All right. Enough talking for me. I need I need a break. <laughs> it's time for the most highly requested segment in all of professional wrestling. The segment you guys have been waiting for this entire time. I just know it. You feel it. It's coming. It's, you feel it in your pores, pal, that we're going to have some fun here right now. It's time for the world-famous restaurant quality known as... What the hell is wrong with A-E-W? And we're going to start off with the one and only Brother Carter in 3, 2, 1. It's time for What the Hell is Wrong with A-E-W? What the hell is wrong with AEW? I, I I really am getting to the point where I just can't even do it with this show. It's just, it's getting worse and worse every week. This was the go-home show to full gear. And I have no reason to purchase this pay-per-view or be invested in this pay-per-view. There's one match on this pay-per-view that I care about. And... I'll get to that more a little bit later when I talk about what I enjoyed about the show and give my predictions, but I just I, I have no reason to purchase this pay-per-view. I just don't care at all. All right, let's get into the show. 
Once again, the referee was way out of place in the opening match. The refereeing is terrible, continues to be bad. Their cadences and their counts are inconsistent. They're always out of place. They have to run around to, to get into place to make a count. Four of Three counts become four and five counts. It's just awful. It's absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. It's horrible. It's just an awkward end to the segment with MJF, Chris Jericho, in the inner circle. Like, he just randomly attacks him, and then Hager doesn't even defend him, and Wardlow's kind of there, and it's just a weird, awkward segment for MJF to attack Jericho. I mean, I get why they did it, but it was just weird and awkward, and I I just don't care about this feud, and I love MJF, and but I just don't care about this feud at all. I have no reason to care about this feud at all. Speaking of what I don't care about, Kenny Omega is so awkward on interviews. Like, he just, he doesn't know how to work outside the ring. That's the biggest problem. I think that's the biggest problem. That's a huge problem with AEW is none of these elite, quote-unquote, wrestlers, and I use that meaning the folks in the elite, besides Cody, can't work on the microphone. They can't. I don't know why they have this incredible following before they got to AEW. What AEW has done has exposed the elite for just how incomplete of professional wrestlers that they really are. They can work in the ring, sure, and they're great at being spot monkeys, but other than that, what do they bring to the table? Absolutely nothing. Kenny Omega is so awkward on interviews that stuff he did with Shivani was weird, couldn't stand it. Uh, why do Miro and Trent get a championship match introduction from Justin Roberts? It makes no sense to me. Like, Why would he give the setting it up to be like a championship match and introducing the competitors while they're in the ring? I don't care that Miro got on there and taunted Trent before the match. They don't deserve... Are they just going to randomly start doing championship introductions when they need to get their point across on the microphone? It was awful. Um, Okay, I'm going to say it. Miro is not good. He's, He's not good. He sucks on the mic. His gimmick doesn't work. He can go in the ring, but that's not what modern day professional wrestling is for a company that's trying to tout themselves as the savior of professional wrestling and just focus on wrestling that what they do outside of the ring is so distracting that it takes away from the product in the ring there's too much outside interference in the trent and miro match the feud is so weird with them and the and private and uh best friends just awkward i don't get it at all there's a okay I'm going to say this about Hangman Adam Page, who I love. You guys know that I love Hangman Adam Page. I believe in him strongly. I think he's incredible in the ring. There's a difference between enjoying an alcoholic beverage, Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, giving cheers to each other, you know, uh, um, Street Profits. If, if you know, they, they, they tease that, that Montez Ford has the cup, fine. But there's a difference between enjoying an alcoholic beverages and portraying a drunk. And they are portraying Hangman Adam Page as a drunk. And actually, in my opinion, that's inappropriate. Because I feel that there's some folks in this country that are struggling with alcohol abuse and stuff like that. And it's just, you're not sending out a good message when you're pushing when your top stars is turning to alcohol. Now, maybe they're going to say that he overcomes his addiction. I don't know. But I just don't think it's a good look. And, I, and, I, and I'm really not, really not a fan of that. Okay, here's another thing that I've discovered while watching uh, Dynamite this week. AEW doesn't know how to do television. They don't know how to run a television show. The timing is off. They don't know how long to be in the ring before they have to switch to the next segment. They don't know when to cut to the announcers. The announcers have no idea how to segue between segments. They interrupt their own video packages. 
AEW needs to tape their shows every week. They cannot do live television because so much stuff needs to be in post to get the show exactly right and to get the timing right, get the right number of commercials, all that stuff. AEW does not know how to do live television, and it's very, very, very obvious from watching Dynamite this week. Okay, so Nyla Rose is the number one contender for the Women's Championship, but we haven't seen her on television in a while. And then what do they do? They feed her to, They feed her Red Velvet, who is basically the resident jobber at this point for the women's division. I think she's won like one match since being in the company. So that's that's you knew what was going to happen with that. But again, she's supposedly the number one contender. Again, why do I care? Why do I care about her versus Hikaru Shida? Give me one reason why I should care about this feud. She's been off TV for a while. We barely see Hikaru Shida. Why should I care about this? It, 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 the women's division continues to be in the toilet. We didn't even see the best part of the women's division, which is Britt Baker, on television this week. Uh, again, AEW, anything except women. Like, they just don't care and put any stock into their women's division at all. Then you have the ending segment with Nyla Rose and Hikaru Shida. She missed wildly on those shots with Shida. That was awful. And then she tried again and missed again. Again, why do I care? Why do I care? Give me a reason to care about this feud, or really any women's feud in AEW. We haven't seen Baker. We haven't seen Big Swole. Again, why should I care at all? And then we get to the main event of the show. Why does the Gun Club get a main event spot? They haven't been on television or in the ring in a long time. On the go-home show to a pay-per-view, they're in a six-man tag, a team that we haven't seen on TV for a while is in a six-man tag with Cody and the Dark Order. So we don't even get to see Cody versus Darby Allen, which is the match, right? We get the Dark Order without Brody Lee. Speaking of which, why hasn't Brody Lee been on television for a while? So he lost in the dog collar match, and they've written him off television at this point now? Wasn't he supposed to be the savior of the company and the leader, the ultimate leader of this faction, the Dark Order, who's basically broken off and starting to do their own thing? I actually think uh, Silver and, um, I can't even remember their names, but uh, the ones that they've been focusing on are actually talented. So there is some talent in the Dark Order, but I I have no idea what they're doing with them. Brody Lee has basically become irrelevant. But now, and then Cody for some stupid reason cuts this promo on Darby Allin. Why should I care about this feud? I don't care about it at all. There's only one match on this card that I care about. And that's John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston, and I'll be getting to, into that a little bit later. But by and large, I don't care about Full Gear, I don't care about AEW, and I don't even know if I'm going to be tuning in this weekend. Seriously, what the hell is wrong with AEW? This has been What the Hell is Wrong with AEW! Thank you very much, Brother Carter, for the submission this week, as always. I always send this out to people. If you want to participate in what the hell is wrong with AEW, all you have to do is send me an MP3 file at the Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about AEW. Is it just me and Brother Carter who doesn't like this show? Or do you guys have something that you want to say? So, 
as per ritual, as I come out this side of the portion of what the hell's wrong with AEW, and I get to react to some of the stuff that Brian Carter said, I want to get out of the way the stuff that I did enjoy on AEW this week. First and foremost, I uh, really like the tag match. It was MJF and Wardlow against Ortiz and Sammy Guevara. Uh, actually, it's more of a handicap match because I wasn't really paying attention to anything that Sammy Guevara was doing. So, uh, there goes that, pal. <laughs> um, MJF is the quintessential pro wrestler, and it's a damn shame that his... Uh, stock, his value is going down by the fact that he he's basically in a program with a dude that it's just I don't, I don't even know where to give it this man. I, I'll I'll get to Jericho in a couple minutes, but uh, I I like that tag match. I also really really enjoyed the Taz promo with uh, the ta- team Taz promo where he's they're calling out Tony Khan. As ridiculous uh, ranking system, and it is. This is objectively speaking. It's a guy that's covered every single event of AEW since its inception. Their ranking system is pure and other horseshit. Okay, their wins and loss records don't mean shit. <laughs> they don't. They like to tell you the audience that their wins and losses matter, but they really don't. How's Eddie Kingston main eventing a pay-per-view for a guy that wasn't even ranked in the top 10 or top 5 of the company? Oh, you have this history, Eddie cuts good promos, so we go with the WWE route, so we have a hot angle be the championship match as opposed to the number one actual ranked guy in AEW, Brian Cage, and following the sports model, Brian Cage would be fine, John Moxley. And full gear and not Eddie Kingston. Now, this is not a slight towards Eddie because I like Eddie. And here's another positive from AEW Dynamite I like this week. I loved the John Moxley Eddie Kingston face to face segment. I thought that was really, really good. I liked it. And I'm going to stick to my guns, what I mentioned last week. It's really telling that the heavyweight champion only needs hardcore matches for it to be interesting. And I hope to God that I'm wrong. I'm hope to God that this I Quit match doesn't resemble that freaking ridiculous lights out match that we saw with him and Kenny Omega at last year's uh, full gear pay-per-view. I really hope that's not the case. But um, prove me wrong, Moxley. (laughs) Let Let me see you tell a story for once in your damn career for once. And I I thought Brother Carter posed a great question in his side of this segment. I'll ask you guys. Why should you care about Full Gear this weekend? Why should I care about Full full Gear this weekend? I'm not paying for the pay-per-view. They haven't earned 40 bucks out of my own money for that pay-per-view that's coming up on Saturday. I'll cover it. I'll find my way to watch the show. But I'm not paying for it. I'm just being up front with you. They have given me no incentive to watch this pay-per-view on Sunday. Now, when we get to the card and I go over these predictions later on, there are good matches on the show. There are matches that are going to be good for wrestling purposes. But outside of that, what's the one story that I have to see 
go down on this pay-per-view on Saturday? What's the incentive? What's the purpose? And I keep asking myself that question after every single show I watch of AEW. After Dynamite's over, after Dark is over, after the pay-per-views are over. One, what is their identity? And it's probably the same question here. What's their purpose? They have no identity. They have no purpose. They're all over the fucking place. Let's start about the stuff with the show, okay? First off, Miro and Trent went way, way too long. As much as I like Miro as a person and as a wrestler, his stock at AW is not even... You need to have APV out for it because you can't find his stock right now in AEW. That's how irrelevant he is right now. We're having a grudge feud over a goddamn arcade cabinet. Listen to that. This is the sports-based wrestling company. And we're having feuds over fucking video games. With Miro, with his stupid-ass outfits. And Times New Roman Font still trying to convince everybody that he's interesting when he's still not. The only interesting person in this match was Penelope Ford. That was it. <laughs> I like Trent. Trent's a good wrestler. But Chuck Taylor wears him down. Him being part of Best Friends brings him down. Orange Cassidy sucks. Chuck Taylor sucks. Times New Roman sucks. Guess what? Miro sucks in AW. He sucks. The f- the whole irony of Miro's promo towards the WWE is spinning back in his face. Not for the fact that Lana has been put through announce tables for the last seven weeks on Raw, but the fact that she's making more of an impact, getting her ass kicked. On television where people think she's being buried for what you said. But she's getting... She got shot the Raw Women's Championship. She's on the Raw Women's Survivor Series team. How interesting is that? That you shoot arrows at your former player where your wife's still working at. And you end up being the guy that's made to look like... Made out to be look like a freaking jackass. <laughs> Miro, man, it's interesting that Lana's having more of an impact being jobbed out to Nia and Shayna Baszler every week as opposed to you. And you're the guy that's supposed to be the game changer, the game changer, the, the Twitch guy, the representation of Twitch. Because AW has, the only thing AW has for themselves is throwing cheap shots from, from WWE. I don't know if this is a professional wrestling company or a wrestling company ran by Twitter trolls. And the key wrestling Twitter troll is your owner of the company. This separating fuck. This freaking Oswald looking dweeb. This dude, uh, wrestling observer's biggest fan, Tony Khan. Selling you a a bill goes, oh, we're going to have a sports-based wrestling. We're not going to do the entertainment stuff. We're going to stick away from that. But... Here, here's Ladina Demonier. Here's Town Hall meetings. Here's Mimosa Mayhem matches. Here's feuds over video games. Let's 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 continue on with this fun fest. 
Speaking of fest, we had a spot fest match on Dynamite last night. It was the Young Bucks and the Private Party. A tumbling routine. I saw their match where Private Party uh, upset the Young Bucks. That was a better match than this one. Spot fest galore. Uh, I'm not a fan of Excalibur on commentary. He's just not good. Rick Knox is not a good referee either. They don't have a good referee crew in AEW. Why is it that a guy that's talented like Tony's my guy, referee Tony S. How is it a guy that's talented like him is not working for a company like AEW? Explain that to me. He would do circles around Aubrey Edwards when it comes to being a referee. And and of course the the live folks we have a live zombie uh, as a referee in 2020. His name is Rick Knox, ladies and gentlemen. We have a literal live zombie, this freaking dead corpse, literally as a referee. God, he sucks. Um, let's see what else stood out. You know, like again. Oh God, here we go. There's two people that really have my ires, my my that's been really grinding my gears recently. First off, keep Chris Jericho off of social media for the love of God. I never thought I got to this point for the fact that I would turn and actually start resenting one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Chris Jericho, you are making an ass out of yourself. Not for the fact of who you support politically. I don't really care about that stuff. I really don't. You 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 support who you want to support. But for me, the way you're carrying yourself, the way you carry yourself on television, the way you act on your podcast, the the stuff that you tweet out is hurting your legacy. Everybody knows how talented you are on the mic. Everybody knows how talented you are in the ring. But what the fuck are you doing, dude? Like, can you let us know when this Axel Rose routine is over with? Can you, can you let us know when you start when you're done being in your feelings and we can get the real fucking Chris Jericho back. I I, I want to know, folks, where is the real Chris Jericho? That's what I want to know. I don't know who this guy is. This Le Champion, Le, the, the ratings god, the demo god, the, the million viewer man. I don't know who this guy is. What I do know is that his work on AW sucks. I have no, I give two F's about this match with Chris Jericho and NGF. Who cares if NGF joins the inner circle? Who gives two shits about the inner circle? Who? Tell me, are you telling me that you're really that interested in Jake Hager? Sammy Guevara? Waiting for the next incident for him to be exposed out for what a douchebag he is. I want to know where the real Chris Jericho is at. That's what I want to know. And lastly, certainly not least. 
this main event. Cody Rhodes and the Gun Club versus Colt Cabana, John Silver, and Preston Vance, a.k.a. 10. So, you mean to tell me on the go-home show before your big pay-per-view, you know, you hear JR in the background, oh my god, this is the most loaded card we ever had for AEW. This is the most loaded card. This is going to be their best pay-per-view offering. Like, he's really hyping it up. Uh, I hope JR is not drinking before full gear like he was at All Out. Let me just say that really quick. Um, <laughs> so we have this six-man tag team match. It's not even worth being on Dynamite. A match that you can see on AEW Dark. This is the last match that you, Tony Khan, choose to send the viewers home before the show goes off the air and we get ready for full gear. You decided that this six-man tag team match was that important to be in the main event because, oh, Cody got his precious last name back in trademarks. Wow! Every decision that AEW does has some way to circumvent and go back to the WWE. They are so fixated on what they do, it's embarrassing. What's even also embarrassing, the fact that you have a cold six-man tag team match to close your show before pay-per-view. And you have this baby face, the face of TNT, basically burying your other baby face in in the company in Darby Allen as the show goes off air. What in the blue hell was that promo? You're the ace? (laughs) Cody Rhodes, you're the ace of AEW. Really. You're the, you're the ace of pro wrestling. My ass. How about that, pal? Unbelievable. So, here we are, go, here we are guys. We have no sense to watch a pay-per-view on Saturday night. And your face of the company, your top baby face in Cody Rhodes, is basically cutting a heel promo on your other rising baby face before we get to the pay-per-view. That, in a nutshell, folks, is all elite wrestling. And that has been What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. Alright, folks. Before I wrap this up, I'm going to make predictions for this Mud Show Fest on Saturday night. And here we go. Oh, boy. Where should we start off here? Let's start off with uh, Serena Deeb and Allison K. The buy-in show. This match will be for the NWA Women's World Championship. I'd probably say that Allison K. wins the title here because I don't know why you would bring her in and just have her lose on the buy-in show. But I guess maybe Serena Deeb's experience in AEW will help her retain. So I, I would go with Allison K., but I think Serena Deeb wins. I-, I don't know if NWA is partnering with AEW, but it's just odd that they keep having NWA Women's World Championship matches on their program, even though they don't even take the time to build out their own division. It's just weird. Um, <laughs> Orange Cassidy versus John Silver, uh, a Tony Khan special. Um, Orange Cassidy wins. I mean, we know where this is going. Um, next one, we have the Carl Shea versus Nyla Rose for the AEW. World Women's Championship. I got Hikaru Shida retaining over Nyla Rose. Also, 
on the program. We got the long-awaited match, FTR versus the Young Bucks for the AEW World Tag Team Titles. If the Young Bucks lose, they will never challenge for the AEW Tag Team Titles again. And I hope that is the case. I hope and pray to God that FTR wins. But guess what, folks? FTR is doing the J-O-B to the EVPs. The Young Bucks will beat FTR, unfortunately, at full gear. Next, Cody Rhodes versus Darby Allen for the TNT Championship. Um, I'd probably say, you know, I, I'll go with Darby Allen. I think Darby Allen will become the TNT Champion. I, I just don't understand where Cody was going with that promo at the end of the show last night. I, I just, I don't get it. He's the most two-faced wrestler in the world today. And you mean to tell me that he's a babyface? He's the face of TNT? Kiss my ass. Uh, this match should be good, but I, I got I got Darby Allen winning this one. And then we got Chris Jericho versus MJF. If MJF wins, he joins the inner circle. Wow. I'd say MJF defeats... Um, uh, I, I say MJF beats Chris Jericho. I do. I, I think uh, I, the match should be fine, but I think MJF finds a way to sneak out a victory. Man, if MJF loses to Chris Jericho, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do, okay? <laughs> I I just don't know, man. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I'll just say that, okay? It would be really, really, really disappointing. Kenny Olivier versus Hangman Page for the uh, the finals of the AEW World Title Eliminator Tournament. Uh, we know that Kenny Olivier is being Hangman Page here, so next. <laughs> Uh, that that's again. There's good matches on this card. If you look on the paper, there's good matches on this card. It's, it should be a, uh, good wrestling matches. But where's the story? Why should I care about this pay per view on Saturday? I don't. I just don't. Then we hear here we are the main event: John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston in the I Quit match for the AEW World Title. John Moxley makes Eddie Kingston say "I quit." So, there you go. That's my predictions for the gear of full... Nah, nah we can't do a Matt Hardy. Wing. Oh, I forgot the match. <laughs> what a segue uh, before I slipped up right there. Uh, Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara, the uh, elite deletion match. Yes, Sammy Guevara will be deleted. So, yes, uh, Matt Hardy <laughs> defeats Sammy Guevara. I almost forgot that match because uh, I really don't care about Sammy Guevara. So, there you go. Uh, Alright, that's my predictions for Full Gear coming up on Saturday. I'll have the transcript for you guys later on this weekend at ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com Alright folks, we're going to wrap this up right here. I want to thank you guys so much uh, for checking out the podcast this week. All you have to do is to, uh, on YouTube you can like the video. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. YouTube.com backslash the Hoots Podcast. If If you use using like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere like that. Make sure to subscribe to the episode so you never miss a show. 
And um, also leave us a four or five star review so we can get engaged what you guys like or don't like about the podcast. Make sure to bookmark ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Check out TWT with my boy Jonathan Hood, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. And um, yeah, always remember folks, be the authentic product that is yourself. And remember folks, you dictate the pay, uh, you dictate, ugh, you dictate the path of your life, nobody else. And also, I wanted to mention, um, make sure to follow me on Twitter at the Hoots Podcast, and I'm on Instagram at Josh Lopez for at Josh Lopez Music as well. So, I'm gonna wrap this up. I want to thank you guys so much for checking out episode 230 of the Hoots Podcast. Man, it goes by fast. <laughs> it feels like yesterday we we're just doing episode 200. Now we're here uh, 30 episodes later. So, uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for the support. Uh, I'll be back here to review Full Gear and Power Struggle and uh, we'll get closer to Survivor Series. So, a lot of cool things around on the horizon. All right, folks, I love you guys. Thank you guys so much for checking out the Hoots Podcast. Right now, we're going to send off to the developing tones of the one and only Brother Carter with a brand new edition of The Thoughts of Derrico. I'm Joshi. I'll talk to you guys next week. Uh, yes, sir. And now, the thoughts of Derrico. Listen well, man. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to the segment that I promise will bring us all together for the greater good of the wrestling community. It is the thoughts of Derrico featuring the one, the only, Brother Carter. I'm actually not going to be talking a lot about WWE this week as AEW has got their their full gear pay-per-view this uh, coming up this weekend and I have to give my predictions. Yes, for that show. And so I'll just start by talking a little bit about some WWE stuff, just talking about a couple things on Raw and SmackDown and then we'll get into AEW, which is what I'll be spending the most of my time on this week. Starting with SmackDown, uh, Jay Uso and Roman Reigns continue to be absolutely amazing and I, I just completely unstoppable. This is easily the best storyline in wrestling, and I think this is the contender for best storyline of the year. Uh, you know, from from, from a storyline standpoint, you know, uh, this or the Fiend Alexa Bliss, I think, is, is your is your contender for storyline of the year. Uso finally has seen the light and is apparently going to side with Roman Reigns. Not sure where they go from here, but that was. Just great storytelling to open the show, uh, end the show. Uh, looks like the Roman Reigns-led stable with the uh, Anoa'i family is coming to fruition, and I think that's going to be great. So, But again, congratulations to Reigns and Uso. They're going to make something incredible out of this going forward and getting into 2021. I will say that, and I know that they're uh, with, with regards to the Mysterio storyline on SmackDown, Mysterio Rollins storyline, I know they're trying to build up the romantic angle with Aaliyah and Murphy, and that's fine. It's still, to me, just a little weird knowing that Aaliyah is 19 and Murphy is 32. That's still just a little weird for me, and I think it's kind of weird for fans, too. But I know I, I know in the storyline it's not that way, but if, you, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and, and, and following of the, of the dirt sheets, you probably know that that's the case. So it's just a little awkward to me, but, you know, it is what it is. And we'll see what happens with that going forward. And then the final thing I'll say about SmackDown is it looks like we're getting Sasha and Bailey again next week. Fine. 
Uh, again, they always uh, they always give us good matches. I have no problem with the, with the match itself. It's I, at some point I think they need to branch Bailey off and get her some new competition again. Hopefully after Survivor Series, it is the EST of WWE. But we'll see what happens with that. But again, looking forward to that match next week. Switching over to Raw, just a couple things about Raw. Uh, Bray Wyatt and Alexa Bliss continue to steal the show. I mean. They are no doubt the focal points of Raw, and I very much can't wait to see how this plays out. Some brilliant storytelling going on with them, Orton and McIntyre, and The Miz, all kind of intertwined around the WWE Championship. I think at some point we're going to get Alexa Bliss versus Asuka for the Raw Women's Championship. I'm hoping we get that at Royal Rumble. Because that could be, good lord, that's going to be... I mean, Alexa Bliss is the best she's ever been, and we know what she can do in the ring. Asuka, is my, in my opinion, is the second best female professional wrestler in the world, behind the queen, Charlotte Flair, who, as you know, I think is currently the GOAT of women's professional wrestling. But that's going to be awesome. Uh, I, again, I really, really am looking forward to see how this plays out. And Orton has to... Take also take into fact that he's got Roman Reigns at Survivor Series in a couple weeks. So, three weeks from this past Sunday, I believe, yeah. So, coming up, he's got, yeah, two weeks from this Sunday. So, a lot of interplay of storyline going on, and I love it, and they're doing a great job with that. Okay, switching gears to AEW. Um, once again, the, the, the matches on the show were good this week. Uh, you know the, the wrestling in AEW by and large is fine. Uh, you know, and and I know that you can make an argument that it isn't storytelling and it's a, just a bunch of moves and it's just a bunch of spots, which is a very valid point in what they do. But there are some times where they tell good stories in their matches, and you can tell that they're mostly good athletes. So it's that part about of AEW is fine. Um, I like the promo from Taz and Team Taz. Uh, as far as degrading the ranking system, that's all true, and that's all great. And uh, what they're doing with uh, Brian Cage and Ricky Starks, uh, they both got the look, they both got the mic, they're good in the ring. So really, really, really great promo from Taz this week. I really enjoyed that. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, Eddie Kingston and John Moxley continue to bring it. It's the most interesting feud in AEW. It's really the only match I really care about getting into full gear. I'll give my predictions here in a bit, but uh, the, uh, two, another two great promos from Eddie Kingston and John Moxley, and I can't wait to see their match this weekend. That's going to be great. Also, great to see and hear from Pac. I know he's had a rough go since the pandemic hit. He's been stuck overseas. I can't wait to get him back in AEW. I think he brings a lot to the table. And so it was really great and wonderful to see and hear from Pac. And I hope he's doing well, and I hope that we get to see him really soon. Okay, now I'm going to close my time this week by getting into my predictions for AEW's Full Gear pay-per-view. Starting with the buy-in card, we've got Serena Deeb defending the NWA Women's Championship against Allison K. Got to go with Serena Deeb to retain here. Don't see any reason for them to get the title on Allison K at this point. Serena Deeb's doing a great job. It's clear they're doing some cross-promotional stuff with the NWA Women's Division and AEW. So, again, look at, uh, I think it's going to be great. Serena Deeb's been doing great work, and I anticipate her to retain her championship. Getting into the full gear card, we've got Orange Cassidy versus John Silver. Again, I love Orange Cassidy, and John Silver has been doing great work 
as of late. I, I think I'm hoping that some of them will start to break away from the dark water because I actually think John Silver is entertaining and could do something with AEW. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, I'm going to take Orange Cassidy to get the win here. I think that the, the, uh, they, they see something in him as, as do I. And he's really, when he snaps into that athletic mode, he actually is a good athlete. So I'm going to take Orange Cassidy to get the win here and keep uh, the best friends truly freshly squeezed. Matt Hardy against Sammy Guevara in the Elite Deletion match. Yes. Gotta say we're going to get Hardy going back and forth into some of his various personas. I'm going to say that Matt Hardy gets the win here because... They've been doing his teasing his return angle and and making sure he's still got it and stuff like that. So I'm going to take Matt Hardy to win, but I have a feeling that this feud will not be over after full gear. <sighs> Chris Jericho versus MJF. And if MJF wins, he's allowed to join the inner circle. This has been the most disappointing feud leading up to this, I think. Well, maybe besides FTR and the Young Bucks, but... I. <sighs> I'm going to say MJF gets the win here because I think that they're slowly going to do an MJF taking over the inner circle storyline. It's probably going to be contested. It's going to be, you know, there's going to be some shenanigans at the end. But I'm going to say that MJF gets the win and he's able to join the inner circle. And we'll see what happens with that after that going forward. Adam Page versus Kenny Omega, any AEW World Championship Eliminator Tournament Finals match. I have, a f- I hope that Omega's entrance doesn't take longer than the match itself, but that's what they seem to be doing lately. Uh, I'm going to take Kenny Omega to win here. I think that they're as much as I love Adam Page, the elite is biased, and they're going to do something to give Omega the win and have him challenge the winner of the main event. But I'm going to take Kenny Omega versus Adam Page in a match that I think, uh, if we're just talking about an in-ring aspect, this match could steal the show. Both of these competitors are outstanding in the ring and can do great work and and have the potential to tell a great story. So I'm going to say that Omega gets the win, but this match could steal the show for sure. Hikaru Shida versus Nyla Rose in a singles match for the AEW Women's Championship. Uh, I don't even know what to think about this at this point. I'm going to say Shida retains... But I don't, don't be surprised if Nyla Rose gets one. I just don't know what AEW thinks about their women's division and where they're going with their women's division. I just can't figure it out. I'll just, it, it, again, uh, this is a coin flip to me, but I'm going to say Hikaru Shida retains and hopefully that she gets to work with the, the dentist, the DMD, Dr. Britt Baker in the near future. Cody defending his TNT championship against Darby Allen. Going to take Cody here. I I don't see why they're going to take the title off of him. I just don't know who his next challenger is going to be. And and maybe he'll put Darby Allin over. I don't know. I just think that Cody still wants to play his Jeff Jarrett role and keep his championship as long as he can. So I'm going to say that Cody retains here. But this could be a very good match as well because Darby Allin is definitely an up-and-comer, one of the top wrestlers on AEW. This is another match that could steal the show. Uh, I think th- it has the potential to be a good match, but I'm going to say that Cody retains. FTR versus the Young Bucks. Tag team match for the AEW Tag Team Championship. If the Bucks didn't put that stipulation for themselves that if they didn't win, they would never again challenge for the Tag Team Championships, I would say FTR retains. 
But because of that stipulation, the Bucks retain here, or the Bucks win the championship here. I see no reason for them to. What what else do they do if they can't challenge for the tag team championships? Like seriously, that's what the young bucks do. Neither of them are going to have singles careers. Good lord, that would be not good. But so the Bucks win the 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 championships here, and finally get their reign as AEW tag team champions. AEW tag team champions. And in the main event, John Moxley, John Moxley. That was a horrible. My voice is. I'm recording this in the morning. My voice is a little uh, hoarse this morning. That was a horrible. And to my apologies to Justin Roberts, who I've actually had the opportunity to interview for Wrestling Rumors, and it's, he's a great guy, really great interview. So definitely check that out if you get a chance. Uh, but he's defending the championship against Eddie Kingston. Mox has got to retain here, and then. Uh, then he'll get his shot with Kenny Omega. As much as I love Eddie Kingston, and I think Eddie Kingston is the best part of AEW, he's my favorite talent in AEW right now. One of the actual only believable talents in AEW right now. He's on another level. He's fantastic. This is the only feud that I actually care about getting into full gear. And I'm talking about a build, a storyline build. I'm not talking about the actual match itself. Actual match itself. I am talking about the build, the storyline. Uh... Again, John Mox is going to get the win here, retain his championship, and then go on to work with Kenny Omega afterwards. But this could be a really terrific match, and I am looking forward to see it. And those are my predictions for AEW Full Gear this weekend. Uh, my final thought is, as always, folks, there's a lot of turmoil in the world right now, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of people that are really, really scared about the outcome of the United States presidential election and where we go with COVID and all that kind of good stuff. All I will say is that history has shown us that when dark times loom, human beings, the human race, rises up, overcomes, and continues to push forward. And I really believe in my heart of hearts that that is going to happen again. Stay true, folks. Keep the faith, folks. And just know that everything is going to be okay. This has been The Thoughts of Derrico. You're smarter now, man.